0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Saturday, April 2nd, 2022. Well, folks, you have made it to the end of the law. Now, we're reading through the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, in more chronological order this year, which I've really enjoyed doing. But the Old Testament, outside of reading the book of Job pretty early, we've basically read through the first five books, which were known as the law. Remember, uh, this is actually something that's kind of unfortunate that's happened with the history of the English Bible. It's it's the same Old Testament that Jesus had in the Hebrew scriptures, but somewhere along the way, we changed the order of it, where the Jews in the time of Christ, it had three simple divisions, the law, the prophets, and the writings. And the law was those first five books, the books of Moses, or what we sometimes call the Torah. And we've now reached the end of that. Now, many people at this point, if they're trying to read through the Bible, think, I've made it through the hard part. I made it through Leviticus and Numbers. I made it to the end of the law. It's all downhill from here. And I want us to stop. Let's pause. Let's think about that a little bit. And no, we've been through some really good stuff together. Think of what the psalmist says in Psalm 119 when he says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So as we wrap up the law today by reading Deuteronomy 34, I want us to not say, Whoo, yeah, we did it. I want us to say, Wow, look how amazing that!" was. And may we all say together, oh, how I love your law. Now, what we read about in Deuteronomy 34, it's its a short reading today, just 12 verses in this chapter, and it speaks of the death of Moses. Now, It speaks of God taking him up onto Mount Nebo, which is on the other side of the Jordan River. Uh, You can still go there today, and if you go there, you can't physically see all the places. So it seems that God somehow allows Moses to see all of these places uh, in the promised land without going there, but then he dies, and it's interesting, the Lord buries him. It's kind of this private moment between Moses and God, as God buries him, and then uh, Joseph kind of takes up the mantle of leadership there, and we'll be picking that up and, and then following Joseph and the conquest, but today I want us to look back. And again, we should not think, oh, great, I made it through the hard part. No, we've made it through some good stuff. And I just want us to think, why would somebody say, oh, how I love your law? Uh, why would David, who probably only had these first five books of the Bible, say such amazing things, that God's word being better than gold and sweeter than honey. Uh, what have we seen that would evoke such a response? And that's where if you stop and think, we've seen some amazing things. I mean, how much have we seen of the character of god through the first five books of the bible i mean we have seen his faithfulness on display we have seen that he is a god who is a promise keeper That, that he made these promises to abraham and now we are seeing them fulfilled he's brought them out of egypt he's brought them to the verge of the promised land our god keeps his promises We've even seen just the beauty of a creator God going back to the very beginning. Genesis 1, the first chapter of the law, that God created everything and he did it with his word. What a powerful and what a beautiful God. I mean, consider we have it. Yes, it's broken in in places and, and there's things that happen that shouldn't happen even in nature. But look out at the world. Look at the beauty of what God created. It is good. We've seen that in the law. We've seen the holiness of God. Think of just his appearance on the mountain in Exodus. Think of all he said in Leviticus, that that he is holy. Uh, Consider also the love of God, even in Exodus 34, as he reveals himself to Moses. He reveals himself as a God of steadfast love and compassion, a God who forgives. This is the God that we have seen in the first five books of the Bible. I mean, what have we seen of the character of God? That alone should be enough for us to say, man, I love the law. I love the first five books of the Bible because they give me a beautiful picture of God. All the attributes of God we see on display here in these books. Now, also consider the actions of God that we have seen. And probably the most notable because you see the way that it's referred to and even sung about in the Psalms. That God led his people out of Egypt through the plagues with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, right? Through the Red Sea, miraculously, look at what God did. He is a God of salvation. He is a God who brings deliverance and does so in amazing ways. We have seen that. What we've seen God provide for His people through the manna uh, through all the water from the rock, all the different ways God provided for His people through the wilderness. We think back to you know even Abraham and how God kept his promises to him and the incredible story of Joseph and even the providence of God in action in that story we have seen and we do see some in the law, it pointing towards the future with the idea that, no, the law is not really how we will be saved. Even we see the people of Israel are not going to keep the law, and that's going to bring judgment. However, we have also seen in every book pointers forward to the Messiah that was to come, Jesus Christ I mean, think of Genesis, Genesis 3, we're told of the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent. Even in the sacrifice of Abraham and, and Isaac, well, I guess the not sacrifice, the almost sacrifice, right? That there's a substitute that is. Provided. Think of Exodus and the Passover and how that points to Christ. Leviticus and all of the sacrifices described there. Numbers, even Jesus points back as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. And Deuteronomy, speaking of a prophet who is to come, all these books pointing us forward to a Messiah who will fulfill the law. And through him, we will find salvation so please please do not think oh i've made it through the hard part no we've been through some good stuff and you know what There's a lot more where that came from, and I'm excited to continue to journey through the Bible together this year. Now, as we are reading through the Bible chronologically, we're also reading Psalm 91 today. Why Psalm 91? Well, we don't know for sure. It doesn't say who wrote it, but sometimes when there's a a Psalm like Psalm 90, which says it's a prayer of Moses, and then the next Psalm has no... um, title or it doesn't specify who it's written by. Lots of times uh, scholars would say, well, maybe it's a continuation or, you know, a follow-up to what was previous. That's possible. Also, a lot of the language seems to match up with the language of Moses, so we don't know for sure when this psalm was written. We don't know uh, who wrote this psalm for sure, but it's a great fit as we wrap up the law. And notice how it starts here in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a psalm really on the theme of protection, that God protects his His people. But notice there's a condition that the people that God protects are those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High. And that's where I want to start with you. Are you that kind of person? Are you the person who intentionally dwells in the shelter of the Most High? You are putting yourself there as you seek a refuge in God, as you uh, lean on Him, as you run to Him through His, through his Word, through, his, through prayer, through the people of God. You're the kind of person that, man, I want to live right there in the shelter of the Most High. Now, there is a condition here, but then there's so much promise of protection, right? Verse 3, He will deliver you. "...from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence." Or you see again the condition and the promise in verses 9 and 10. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. I think it helps us to understand that. And if this was written by Moses, consider the plagues and how they didn't affect the Israelites, the people of God that were taking shelter in the Most High. Those acts of God's judgment did not fall upon the people of Israel. I think we should not take this psalm to say, oh, believers will never experience any trouble or any evil or any problems in this life. No, Jesus said in the world, you will have trouble. And ultimately, unless Christ comes back in our lifetime, we will all die. So this is not an exemption from all trouble, all pain, all suffering in this broken world, but it is a promise of the powerful protection of God. And I think one thing we see even for believers as we go through hard times or evil or persecution, God delivers us through it, even if it is through the means of death. And that's what God uses to deliver us from this life and from the bondage of our sinful bodies and to bring us into his presence. But really, there's even a a mindset of invincibility that Christians should have. Hey, I'm dwelling in the most in the shelter of the most high. Therefore, nothing can touch me. The the angels are going to protect me. Nothing can touch me that God does not allow. I am invincible from anything that my heavenly Father does not intentionally want to put into my life. And what a good and sweet place that can be for us as believers. So hopefully you're encouraged there by Psalm 91. And just thinking about how God provides even in death, uh, that brings us to John chapter 11, verses 28 through 54, where today we actually see the resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus, you know, backing up his grandiose statement that he is the resurrection and the life. I guess it's not really grandiose because it's true. He's not having delusions of grandeur. He is who he claims to be. And he Proves that by raising Lazarus from the dead. We also have that interesting and even unwitting prophecy there of Caiaphas, who says that it's better for one man to die for the people instead of the whole nation perishing. And he doesn't know that's actually what's going to happen. And again, that's one note you'll see a lot of as we come through the rest of the Gospel of John. God's sovereignty even over the arrest, the betrayal, the crucifixion. God's sovereignty over all that. And here he's using a wicked man, Caiaphas, Um, who's making an unwitting prophecy, but really pointing to the truth of the Messiah. So a lot to, to see there in our Bible, but guys, we've got a long way to go this year in our journey through the Bible. And there's so much goodness that's in store, but today let's look back specifically on those first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And let's say, wow, what an amazing God is shown to us. Through those books of the Bible That's the God I want to know That's the God I want to live for And that's the God I want to continue Learning about as we read through the Bible Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today On Revival from the Bible For more resources check out Revivalfromthebible.com To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley Go to compassbible.tv The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you